I'm Chad Robertson. I want to welcome you today to this special edition of Awakened to Grace. Today, I'm joined by my wonderful friends, Terry and Debbie Whitson. You know, Terry and Deb, they have been in my life since I was 16 years old. Terry is my father in the faith. He is my spiritual mentor. And it was such a joy to sit down and to record this conversation. And I'm so excited to share it with you today because anytime I'm around Terry and Debbie, my faith grows. And I know your faith is going to grow today as you listen to them share about their lives and their own faith journey. Are you a podcast listener? If so, then I want to invite you to subscribe to my podcast. It's simply called Awakened to Grace with Chad Roberts. You can subscribe, leave me a five-star review, and share it with a friend, and stay current with all of the content that we produce. And why do we do it? So that people will grow daily in their walk with the Lord in their spiritual lives. Well, I know your faith is going to soar as you listen to this great conversation with Terry and Deb Whitson. Terry, Deb, I want to welcome you today. We're so happy to have this conversation with you. It's a pleasure to be here, Chad. Yes, it is. Thank you, Chad. Terry, Deb, through the years, one of my favorite things about our conversations is how you both came to the Lord. I know our listening audience uh, would love to know about what brought you to faith. So tell us a little about that. Well, uh, of course, I was raised in a Christian home, but I didn't. as I grew older, I didn't know the Lord. And uh, as through a sequence of events, I ended up in being in the Marine Corps and was stationed in California. And... Uh, Went to a lot of places, did a lot of things, but I just didn't bring any fulfillment in which I thought it would when I was in some of those places, such as San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego, and down in Palm Springs and so forth, thinking those things would bring fulfillment to my life, but they didn't. So being a military policeman uh, stationed, I worked the main gate there at uh, 29 Palms, and one October morning, a uh, lady came through the gate, and I checked to see if she qualified to come on the base. And uh, she handed me a piece of paper. I waved her through the gate uh, that October morning. She didn't say a word to me. I didn't say a word to her. She just gave me a smile. And after I got off duty that October morning, I walked out of the military police barracks and went into the library, which was not next door, into a small, tiny room. And I read that gospel track and realized that... Uh, Jesus wanted to come into my life, and the realization, for the, I guess for the first time, uh, that I realized that Jesus wanted to have a personal relationship with me, and I, the scripture that, that I read that morning was Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him, and he with me. And so I said, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I meant it with all of my heart. I prayed with tears. And I received Jesus that day, that morning, about 11 o'clock in the morning. Peace enveloped me. It just, you know, I don't know how else to explain it, but a peace just enveloped me. And it encouraged me to go tell someone about receiving Jesus uh, into my life by faith. 
And I didn't have any guts that morning to go tell those Marines. So I went down to the base uh, bowling alley, which had a stand-up telephone booth in it. And I there called my mom back in Kingsport and told my mom that morning that I accepted Jesus into my life, which was confirming my decision uh, for him. And then, of course, later on, I will begin to share with the other guys on base how I accepted Jesus into my life. My whole life radically changed. Peace came, joy came, comfort came, illumination, revelation. The Bible that was dead to me became alive to me. It, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was so filled with joy. And then purpose came. Uh, and then later on, while I was at, uh, on that base, the call of God came to me as well. So that's kind of in a nutshell uh, how I came to Jesus uh, while serving in the Marine Corps. Debbie has her story to tell as well. I also was raised in a Christian home. And when I was young and going to church and hearing the Word of God, how powerful and penetrating it was, I just wanted to be sure that that I was going to heaven. And I remember probably around the age of seven, eight, and nine, just having so many questions when I would go home after we had been at church, and I'd ask my mom so many questions about Jesus and heaven. And, and um, as she talked to me, she saw that I was so ready to ask Jesus in my heart. So one day we were outside playing with some neighborhood children, and the pastor stopped. He saw us out in the yard, and he stopped one day, pulled up in the driveway, and spoke to all of us. And um, he said, could I talk to all of you? And so we went inside my home, and we all sat down, and he began sharing Jesus with us. And I remember I was the youngest in the group, and I remember just as he talked to each one of them, I couldn't wait till he got to me because I was so ready to ask Jesus into my heart. And finally he got to me, and I prayed the prayer, and I said, Jesus, come into my heart. I love you so much, and I want to be with you forever. And as I prayed and accepted him, as my Lord and Savior, I just felt such a relief and joy in knowing that I was going to be with him forever. And I, after he left, I just remember I was so excited that I had to go tell somebody. And uh, so I ran down the street and told my cousin what I had done. And uh, she hugged me and she said, I want to, I want to accept him too. So I led her into a prayer to accept Jesus, and um, and it was beautiful, just beautiful. And uh, from then on, he's just been number one in my life. I love him, and he has done so much for me and changed my life tremendously. Now, how many years have you guys been married? Forty-six. Forty-six years. Yes. Amazing. Amen. Well, as long as I've known you guys, you have always modeled faith so powerfully. You've modeled what marriage and ministry look like intertwined. That's one thing I've always appreciated about you is 
as I have watched your lives all of these years, you've not had your marriage in one compartment, ministry in another compartment. No, you live them out both simultaneously. I know Sadie and I have always looked up to you in that regard. And Terry, a few months ago, maybe around the first of the year, you came by the church office and we were just having a casual conversation. And you started talking about growing in our faith. And you asked me that day a series of questions that I have to be honest with you. It absolutely changed my life. When you went through these three questions regarding faith, it put me on a new journey, a fresh journey of saying, God, I don't want to stay where I am. I want my faith to be ever increasing. I want my faith to ever grow because we know when the Lord comes back, Luke chapter 18, what is the Lord looking for? People of faith. Yes. It's the most precious thing on this planet. Yes. And as the Lord has given us faith, what do we do with it? How, how are we growing it? And the conversation, Terry, that you had with me that day literally changed my life. And I want to share it today with our listening audience. Will you just take us through some of the things you were sharing with me in regards to faith? Certainly. Well, the first thing I emphasize is what is faith? And the scripture explicitly tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 what faith is. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is a substance, and it's a heavenly substance. And it comes to us by virtue of God's Word, which we know God's Word, Jesus is the Word of God. And that substance uh, is something we have to, it's something that we utilize. It's not just something we hear, but it's something that we use in our life. Sometimes people look at faith as being a noun, whereas they should see faith as being a verb and being active. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there should be, we should place a high value on the hearing of the word of God. And of course, in, in like ma- measure, we should not only be hearers of the word, but we're to be doers of the word as well. Now, the scripture says what faith is, and this is number one. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is exactly what faith is. If you want to know what faith is, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so I like to share this point when it comes to that. A lot of people you know, don't realize and understand differentiating hope, a godly hope or a biblical hope, from faith itself. When we have a hope for something, that, which is very important, we have a hope. So our faith will reach out and take hold of what's in the future because hope is always on a future thing. It's a future tense. And faith reaches out and takes hold of hope and takes it out of the future and brings it into the present. So there you have faith being the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and how faith and hope work together. But number two is, how do we get faith? Well, the scripture says in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's out of Romans chapter 10. Number one was, what is faith? Number two is, how do you get faith? 
So it's very important that we understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and we must place great importance upon the hearing of the Word of God. Then thirdly is how do I release faith? Sometimes people know what faith is, number one. Sometimes they know how to get faith. That's number two. But they don't understand how to release their faith, and this is crucial. This is tantamount, and this is where many people don't have they have a lack or a misunderstanding of how to release it. And out of Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24, Jesus, the Lord of the church, tells us how to release our faith. One way, he says, by speaking to the mountain. He says, whoever says this mountain be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, he shall have whatever he says. And then the next verse, 24 says, and all things which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. So we can, we can have and release our faith by saying it or by praying it, verses 23 and 24. And so this is, this is what we do at salvation. We often pray, according to verse 24, and we receive Jesus at the moment we pray. That's what we do with salvation. That's what we do in all manner of prayer. If we're going to make a petition and receive from the Lord, we must receive it at the moment we ask. That's the release of faith. Or we can say to the mountain, Jesus, in the context of, of Mark 11, spoke to the fig tree and cursed it, and it died. Well, we can speak to circumstances by faith, and they will be changed just as well. So there's that operation of one, what is faith? Then number two is how to get faith. And then number three, how do you release your faith? So remember, you release your faith just like you did when you did receive Jesus initially. You release your faith in a similar way, and you receive at the time you speak it, or you receive at the time you pray it. Oh, Terry, that helps me so much. You know, we just finished an amazing Sunday that you and Deb were part of, and it was this great healing service where we prayed over people with emotional hurts and mental health and physical issues and addictions and all of these areas that affect so many lives and so many families. And obviously part of this Healing Sunday, so many people were praying that God would open my blind eyes that day, right? Yes. And I, oh, I was so eager for the day, and we had fasted and so much preparation going into it. And, you know, you talk about how you receive things from the Lord. You receive, sometimes even before they manifest, right? Yes. You receive before you even see the evidence. We call Absolutely. those things that are not as though they were right yes sir. yes sir and let me tell you what happened to me that you helped me so much you're the only person I'm, I'm sure it's been taught many places many other people but you're the only person who has i who i have ever heard taught the difference between faith and hope and i know the days after that great healing sunday Many, many reports came in. God touched, God set free, God healed, God delivered. There were so many people that God did mighty, mighty things that day in their lives. But here I was still sitting blind, and I wrestled. 
And I questioned, and it was hard. I felt like I had walked into a bit of a valley of despair. And I remember telling the Lord, I remember telling the Lord, maybe I shouldn't have got my hope up. Isn't that a lot of times what Christians say? Mm. Oh, no, Mm -hmm. don't get your hopes up. Well, what did you just say, Terry? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's correct. And the Lord said, no, sir, keep your hope up. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. Amen. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, it helps me so much. And, Terry, I think where I have been stuck so many times in the past is, yes, uh, you know, God has given us faith. Yes, we receive that measure of faith. And yes, it grows because of the hearing of the word of God. But what do you do with it when you have it? And I think what set my heart free that day is you told me, you said, Chad, you don't just be a hearer of the word. See, I think that's where I was stopping short. I get faith by hearing the word of God. But James says, don't just be a hearer of the word. What did you tell me? Be a doer of the word. Be a doer. And isn't that where the faith is released? Absolutely. You were telling me about Paul and Aeneas in the book of Acts. Tell tell us about that. Well, you know, Paul was ministering, the scripture says, and he was uh, preaching or teaching. And the the scripture explicitly says that Paul perceived that Aeneas had faith to be healed. But, you know, he wasn't healed. And I like to point that out. He had faith to be healed, but he wasn't healed. And what was the, what was what was needful is for the release of faith to occur. And my point in that being is, oftentimes people have faith. Sometimes it's not a lack of faith. They can have faith. They just don't know how to release it. And this man, this lame man, had uh, had faith. He didn't know how to release it until Paul gave the command and said, stand upright on your feet. And when he gave that charge, the, the man moved and got up and he was completely restored miraculously on the spot. And I think it's worth noting that Paul didn't heal this man because people say, oh, yes, Paul, he was so holy and he was an apostle. Well, certainly he was holy and certainly he was an apostle, but he he did not heal this man. This man's faith is what brought this man to restoration and wholeness. Because when Paul gave the charge, that man must have made some effort to move, to stand up. And when he did, the power of God came upon him and he stood upright on his feet. So I think it's worth for people to understand is sometimes it's not a lack of faith they have. Sometimes they have it. They just don't know how to release it. That is wonderful, and I think that's where I have been so many times in my life. You know, as I began to walk this teaching out after the conversation we had that day, uh, and again, I'm not exaggerating in the least, it changed my life. It was a paradigm shift for me spiritually. And I remember asking the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, I, now I'm just real simple. Uh, the Lord, the Lord has to break things down for me very, very easily. Right. And I said, Lord, how do I go from being a hearer of the word to being a doer of the word? How do I release my faith? How do I do this? And I remember the Lord telling me what, okay, Chad, you know, the verse, this is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. 
Okay, are you just going to store that in your memory bank? Or the next day you have a frustration, uh, a frustrating day. The next day you have disappointments. The next day you walk through trials or the next day people let you down or make you mad or whatever. Are you going to do the word? Not just know it, not just hear it, but are you going to rejoice in me in that day? We have to become doers. What would you guys say to a listener right now who let's say that they are in the throes of divorce or their marriage is falling apart or perhaps their marriage has just grown very cold and distant and they need to believe God to turn their marriage around. How would they go from hearing the word to actually doing the word? What would your advice be to them? Well, I think uh, Debbie can certainly speak into this as well. You know, as we know, marriage is two parties involved. And initially, I would look at myself and say, okay, where am I in my walk with the Lord? Am I, is my life, am I walking in love with my mate? That is crucial because Faith, the scripture says, faith worketh by love. That's what the Bible clearly says. So to hinder our faith is when we don't walk in the love of God. And when a marriage is in conflict or in decline, we have to examine ourselves. It's so easy to point the other partner. Now, when that other person gets straight, my life's going to be all right. They've got the problem. It's not me. Well, you know, it's not. that's just not the way it works. I have to first look at myself and say, am I walking in love? Uh, towards my mate and uh, and if I'm not then I need to go to them and I need to confess to them or repent to them ask for their forgiveness if I'm not walking in that place of love because see my, my particularly this for men this is very important for men this Peter, Peter addresses this he says if, if men you know were to to love our wives as Christ loves the church as scripture explicitly says and if we don't the, the, the word of God says that our prayers are going to be hindered. He's speaking to the men. He's speaking to the husbands. So the men must, we must love our wives as Christ loves the church, and we must treat them as the weaker vessel, as the scripture says, or our prayers are going to be hindered. So that pertains to the love walk, which, which is directly connected to uh, our walking in faith. So in answer to your question, I would go there first and examine myself. Am I where I need to be with the Lord? Am I walking in love with my mate? If I'm not, I need to get those things right with the Lord and get those things right with my mate and and operating in faith. And then once I do that, then I'm going to start releasing my faith for the restoration of the marriage or the, the recovery of the marriage. Uh, again, I'm, I'll let Debbie speak into that. If you have some thoughts you want to add to that. Possibly. Well, just keeping your heart pure and uh, um, safe and clean and um, just keeping it, being forgiven. Anything else you want to add to that you can think of? Just forgiving one another. Well, that I think, you know, when we say that, then that seems very simplistic. But I have found from experience, this is what I found from experience, when it comes to two parties of that marriage, and usually, oftentimes, one wants to get it restored, whereas the other seems to be nonchalant or indifferent. 
And I found that across the many years of ministry, there seems that seems to be in play there. And but the, but the one can the one that wants this thing right, or it could be both of them, which you would want it to be that way. But if one of them definitely wants to get it right and is walking where they where they should be walking, then they can use their faith and say, "Well, Lord, uh, forgive me," and and I'm asking you to forgive them. Okay, I'm going to ask you, Lord, not only to forgive me, but I'm asking you to forgive my mate as well. Forgive them of their shortcomings and forgive us both. And then uh, that is an act of faith when you ask the Lord to forgive us both. And then next to that, Chad, this would be the next step of faith in, in seeing the, helping the, giving the Lord opportunity to bring restoration. We know the enemy uh, is the creator, and he wants to see strife and division in the marriage. That's what he wants to create, and that's what he wants to produce. He wants to produce confusion. So once I've repented to the Lord for my part and asked the Lord to forgive us both for what we've done or not done, then I'm going to take authority by faith and and bind the devil up over my marriage. Now, the wife can do this as well as the husband and arrest the devil I arrest you in the name of Jesus. I command you to stand down and cease in your operations against my marriage, and I forbid you any influence here. Because the Scripture says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So once I have confessed and done my part, making sure, as Debbie said, my heart's clean, my heart's right, and I'm operating in forgiveness, then that puts me in a position to take authority over the devil which in turn will helps it, it prepares the way for the Lord to work and bring restoration. But it's sometimes, as you know, uh, and we've found, that doesn't always happen overnight, may not happen in a week, may not happen in a month. But if you'll stand in faith and not be moved by the circumstances because the individual that, say, one, one, mar, one uh, party of the, of the marriage is indifferent, if we'll stand in faith and not be moved Faith is not moved by what sees. Faith is not moved by what it hears. Faith is only moved by the Word of God. And therefore, you have to stand because here's another feature of faith. It's through faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, as I talk with Christians that are growing in their faith, I think sometimes, especially when you read Uh, For example, the Gospel of Mark, where one of Mark's favorite words was immediately. And sometimes, you know, the Scripture may at face value give an appearance that all healings happen immediately or all prayers happen immediately. And that's not the case. If that were the case, then why... Did Abraham wait 25 years (laughs) on the promise of Isaac, right? Sometimes there is a process that we have to go through. And what happened to Abraham in Romans 4? Paul says he did not grow weak. He grew stronger in faith throughout those 25 years. Yes, he did. So it's possible that as you and I are waiting on God, that we will grow stronger in faith and not grow weak. Uh, I know, you know, once again, as I'm walking out my own journey, of, uh, you know, facing this, this season of blindness as I've, as I'm walking this out, you know, I I really thought that, you know, we're, we're, we're building our faith appropriately, proportionately, but I know, oh, just even this week, the Lord was ministering to me and the Lord said, Chad, 
oh, there's so much more for you. There's so many more things I want to show you. So many more things I want you to experience. So many. Your faith is growing. Oh, but there is no finish line. <laughs> Amen to that. We grow to the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. Don't we? Yes, yes. sir. Amen. What a journey. Have you signed up for my weekly devotional email? Every Tuesday, I send out a devotion that will help you grow in your faith. Go to my website, awakentograce.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and when you sign up and submit your email, you'll get a direct message from me every Tuesday. Sign up today at awakentograce.com.